it was an amazing play call. The the Lions and, and Dan Campbell are the ballsiest team in the NFL. They go for it more than anybody. I think they out-thunk themselves and they try to confuse the Cowboys and instead confuse the refs. What is going on, guys? Welcome back to Net Worth. I'm your host, Justin Pugh. We have a great week, a lot to talk about. I appreciate everyone that's subscribing. The guys that won the footballs, we will be getting those out to you. I just had to get them and get them ordered and then get them out to you. So bear with me. You're getting towards the end of the season. I'm going to try to get them out before I leave New York. If not, I will get them out when I go to Arizona. Um, let's hop right into it. The what's happening. We have a lot to get into. I don't want to keep you guys waiting. The first things first is the mascot debacle that's going on. Now, coming from a guy that played at a edible mascot university, Syracuse, the orange, we've all seen Otto. He's one of the most you know famous mascots around. Edible mascots are popping up throughout bowl week. We have the Pop-Tart Bowl, which maybe will go down as the most famous mascot in bowl game history. We had the edible mascot for the first time. What I want to focus on is how pissed was Cheez-Its only a day later, they come out with their own, and they're both coming out of a exploding Cheez-Its, Pop-Tart box, almost identical. Do we think Pop-Tart had inside information from Cheez-Its and then decided to one-up them by making their mascot edible? Are we going to see a trend of mascots now becoming edible? I never thought I would be talking about bowl game mascots, and with all the opt-outs and all the transfer portal hoopla the mascots were slowly taking over the regular bowl game season. There was about two good bowl games this season where guys weren't opting out. Uh, the Oregon game was was a good one that I saw. Um, there's some young up-and-coming players that have played through it, but the mascots are the ones we're talking about. We, we need to figure out a way to fix college football playoff bowl season. I think when the playoff comes and expands to, to more teams, that will help fix that and stop guys from opting out. Um, but shout out to, to Pop-Tarts. I'm not a big Pop-Tart guy. I'm a cheese it all day over Pop-Tarts, but they, but they crushed it. And speaking of crushing it, NFL is just dominating. Lions-Cowboys was the most watched Monday night football game. I know it was played on Saturday, but it's advertised as Monday night football. It is the most watched in the ESPN era. It had 25.7 million viewers. We've discussed this previously on the podcast. Your average NBA games, like on Christmas Day, we're getting five to seven million. NFL is just completely dominating. <clears throat> and I saw someone where, well, the NFL only plays 17 games. Of course, it's going to be watched more. But if you add up the total views of the NFL and the total views of the whole NBA season, we would still beat you guys. So don't I don't need that argument. Um, the 20 games in 2023 average 17.1 million, up 33% year over year. It'd be interesting to see who those viewers are um, and why they're coming in. I'm assuming it's the rise in sports gambling and fantasy, people that typically wouldn't watch the NFL. I don't think our fan base is, grow is growing by 33% every year, but I would think like my wife played fantasy football this year with her girlfriends for the first time. That would constitute those those ladies all watching, all 10 of them watching, probably for the first time ever. And I think that's only going to grow, which is great for our game. 
And to follow up on the Christmas Day, obviously we posted about Christmas Day NFL games and how unbelievable they were. I was fortunate enough to play in one of those games. And Colin Thompson, a former teammate of mine, a Bucks County, Philadelphia native, former Panther, Giant, played all over the place. He's he's on the internet doing great things with with his own, own channel. But he commented and said, next year Christmas is on a Wednesday. What do you think the NFL is going to do? Four teams play on the Thursday night before Christmas. He thinks they should just have those teams play on Christmas Day, swap the opponents, and, and, and let them fight it out, and then give them an off week following that. Colin, I think that is exactly what the NFL will do. Uh, maybe there's a team coming off a bye week um, or played at, you know, has time to have an extra a buy after that. You can never go from a Sunday to a Monday. So I definitely think it's going to limit the pool. I think what you recommended, the teams that played Thursday night before or on bye weeks will end up playing in that game. NFL will not give up Christmas Day games. I, I doubt that would happen. I think that we're just going to try to expand. That week we'll probably have Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday games. We are seeing the numbers and they are, are backing up the – Fans want to consume the NFL. If there's only two games on in a time slot, everyone's going to watch it regardless. doesn't matter if it's the two worst teams in the NFL. So the more days we can have just one NFL game, people are going to look forward to it. Now, I don't ever think we're going to get to a place where we play every day of the week, but we're getting pretty damn close. Next up, we're going to talk about Mike Vrabel. Um, I don't know if you guys saw the clip. We'll drop the clip below of him talking about losing. And it goes back to the whole scenario of tanking. Because it sucks to lose, Gentry. Uh, Trey, you ever need to show you anything? Uh, Did you have another thought or no? I'm just curious. Why? Well, it uh, it fucking sucks. Is that losing. <laughs> Awful. That's why I want to win. Because you don't sleep. You want to win for the players that bust their tail. That's it. He says he hates losing. He doesn't sleep. He wants to win for the players. He wants to win for the coaches. Everyone talks about tanking and are is this team tanking or is that team tanking? The only people that can tank in a, in a team, on an NFL team, is the owner, the GM, and the head coach. Rarely even the head coach. Really just the owner and the GM. The owner would give directive to the GM, hey, don't put adequate talent on the field. Trade guys, cut guys, create dead cap space, do things that will put us at a disadvantage to win. You cannot tell an NFL player or a position coach or an NFL head coach to go lose games. Maybe a coach like um, a Bill Belichick that has seniority and has some guarantees, he would feel better about doing that. But a young coach who's trying to make a name for himself can't sacrifice years of his career to losing. NFL players can't do it. And we'll dive into it later on in the episode when I talk about our season and where things are going and, and, and myself personally. But players are playing for their jobs. Everyone at this point in the season, whether your team's in the playoffs or out of the playoffs, you are fighting for a job. If you're out of the playoffs, you have to dig deep and find out what your why is and why you're going out in that field and trying to play. And I'll dive into maybe a couple of my whys. Not maybe. I will dive into a couple of my whys and why I'm still out there playing towards the end when we recap the Rams game. Um, Mike Vrabel also, interestingly enough, has been reported that he has an opt-out after this year or, or might be able to leave his contract. 
coaches contracts aren't always public so we don't know exactly everything that's going on there but if you remember and I do remember my my old head coach Doug Marone from Syracuse went to Buffalo and he had a clause that if there was a change in ownership he could opt out of his deal and he did that um, he ended up not getting another head coaching job, but made his way down to Jacksonville and got a job later on. But I wonder if there's a, a clause in Vrabel's contract, if there's an opt out, the new England Patriots. I know Belichick is, is, is a hall of famer. There's been some rumors there, Vrabel, former player, things could be, could be switching up here soon. We'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens there, but love that Vrabel was supporting his players in that clip, supporting his coaches. You know, he, he doesn't want to lose and you can tell it's, it's eating at him to lose. The big news coming out of the college football playoffs, the two teams that are moving on, we have Michigan versus Washington in the college football playoffs next Monday. I couldn't have been more wrong in my picks. I had Alabama and Texas with a rematch, and both teams got beat. Alabama got dominated. The score obviously was much closer than than I think the game even was. Michigan was more dominant in the trenches, which is the, the, the calling card for all of Alabama's football teams. They got Alabama into some critical situations, and their quarterback just wasn't quite there yet. He's an unbelievable player. He got him to this point, beat an unbelievable Georgia team. Um, but when it got down to, to late in the game, Alabama didn't make the plays they had to make. Michigan did. Hats off to Michigan. This is, I would say, one of the more intriguing national championships we've seen in a while. It's the first time not having an SEC opponent. It's good for college football. Maybe the NIL is working. Teams are able to pay players, and there is some – diversity amongst talent in the conferences. So maybe we were seeing a shift in college football with Michigan and Washington, because you never would think you would see a Washington team in a national championship. No knock to Washington. They're great. But um, just talent wise, they've never been able to get the same talent as some of the SEC schools. So really excited for both of them. The Rose Bowl between Michigan and Alabama had 27.2 million viewers, a lot of commercials, I'm thinking the NCAA is trying to get as much money as possible in their pockets with all these commercials before the inevitable happens. Chip Kelly's talked about it. <clears throat> Matt Rule's talked about it. Eventually, maybe splitting into conferences, getting the TV money to actually go into a salary cap to pay the players instead of wherever the TV money goes right now. And if maybe we should do a deep dive and figure out where the money goes into college football. But it could be better that this TV money goes to the players as opposed to going out to donors every week and asking for money. We could self-sustain this system just like we do in the NFL. NCAA has a pretty good resource to lean on if they want to figure out how the NFL does what they do. And half the money could still go to all the universities. They would just be getting a little bit less, which they would not be happy about. But maybe, just maybe, we see that in the future. Back to the NFL, though, we have David Tepper. I don't know if you guys saw the clip. Over the weekend, the Jaguars were playing the Carolina Panthers. The Jags shut them out 26-0 towards the end of the game. David Tepper got into it with a fan, and a drink was thrown, spilled on the fan by David Tepper, left the stadium, came out with an apology today. It should never have happened. He should have let stadium security handle it. Um, it just goes to show you that no matter who you are, owner to fan, you are involved, you are invested, and tempers can flare. So it goes back to how we treat people around us, how we treat people in this great game. Tepper obviously knows he was wrong. 
$300,000. I saw somewhere to, to your average person, it's like finding them $1.77. I don't think it's going to hurt him, but I think he's going to continue to learn valuable lessons. We know money is no object to Tepper in the Carolina Panthers. We saw earlier with the firing of the head coach, $300,000 just a drop in the bucket to him. But I think it'll it'll the social media impact is going to have more of a fallout than just the dollar amount. And that's something that a lot of the private equity folks have never dealt with before. When you come to the NFL, you are under a microscope. How you made your money before and buying companies, selling companies, real estate is, is much different than the NFL. The NFL is under a microscope. So it's interesting to see that. It's interesting to see a guy like David Tepper, who's been so successful, and to see guys like Josh Harris down with the Washington Commanders and how that's gonna, all going to play out because money just doesn't solve all the equations in football. Um, there's there's a human element to it. So it's, it's, it's cool to see that. The next one that I'm going to touch on and probably f- – actually, I'll come back to this one. I want to touch on – Another situation in New England with Trent Brown. So recently, Trent Brown, left tackle, one of the best to play in, in, in our era, massive human being, great left tackle, right tackle, was recently a healthy scratch for the Patriots. Now, we all know the Patriots aren't having a great year this year. They traded their quarter, and they didn't trade. One of their quarterbacks got picked up by the Ravens, uh, Cunningham, Malik Cunningham, and Trent Brown came out and defended him and, and said some things about the Patriots. They asked him about free agency later on, and he said, it, it'd kind of be like, I feel like I'd be doing myself a disservice to not see what other opportunities are out there just at this point. Obviously, he's not happy with the season. The Patriots responded by making him a healthy scratch. He had multiple playtime incentives that added up to $6.5 million that he now won't be able to earn over the last two games. So a few words to defend somebody and state your displeasure cost you $6.5 million. He might not have made all of it. Maybe he would have only made two or three. But that is something that you hate to see for a guy in the league. Trent is one of the best. He's going to get another contract. There's no question about it. But I just hate seeing money left on the table. It's hard because there's emotions that play involved, and I'm sure the Patriots don't appreciate it. They're not used to losing. So it's just a tough situation. But that is the business of football. If any guys can learn from this and and learn maybe not to have those guarantees in their contract, I wasn't able to negotiate them out. I know Trent um, had them in his deal as well. It's just It's just not something that you want to see. So – Trent has made a lot of money in this league. I'm sure he's going to get a big deal this offseason, but six and a half hurts to know you're not going to make it. So hopefully guys can learn from that. Let's not let's not do this again. Let's not leave money on the table. I want every dollar in our guys' pockets. And I wish we could take pop money out of the pockets of the next guys, the referees, or maybe put more money in their pockets so they become fully guaranteed, or not fully guaranteed, but full-time employees of the NFL. We've touched on this before. We've touched on it again. The NFL referees made another headline this weekend. I'm sure everyone saw the Dallas Cowboys-Lions game, the ending of that game. Taylor Decker goes in, reports. You see him and Penny Sowell, the, the right tackle, and another guy, Dan Skipper, run onto the field. And Decker reports, goes on to catch a pass, and the referee said that Dan Skipper had reported instead. It was an amazing play call. The the Lions and, and Dan Campbell are the ballsiest team in the NFL. They go for it more than anybody. I think they outthunk themselves and they tried to confuse the Cowboys and instead confuse the refs. The ref was wrong. No doubt about it. The ref was wrong. He made the wrong call. He, he said the wrong thing to the Cowboys and then had to 
make the flag, make the call on the field, take the play back. But when you see it, all three of the offensive linemen go up to the referee. We had something similar happen to us in the Saints where we went up and reported and the ref just totally forgot about it. They are humans. They have biases. They make mistakes. What you need to do is make it stupid, stupid simple for them to understand. We were always taught never let the referee decide the game. If there is a timeout or you're trying to run the ball in in a two-minute drill, don't rely on the ref to toss it. Refs can't catch. Pretend like they're their child, their children. Run the ball in, place it down, don't waste time. And that just, those things that the coaches have told me throughout the years kind of counteracts what happened with the Detroit Lions. Don't get me wrong. It was a great play call, great design, great smoke and mirrors by all the offensive linemen going over to the referee. But at the end of the day, they confused the referee and he made a mistake. He's a human. He cost him the game. It's terrible. You don't ever want to see that happen. But if just Decker went up to him and reported and they made it loud and clear and it was, the Cowboys also got to see it was loud and clear that he was reporting. I don't think that would have happened. Um, unfortunate situation. Obviously, this goes back to what we've been harping on before. We need to make NFL referees full time. We need to continue to make the game better with the amount of money that is being gambled and fantasy and XYZ and all these people tuning in, all these numbers. We have to get these things correct. There Maybe there's a way to go back and change some of the calls and, and have video replay. I know fans don't want to have that, but... With the amount that we have at risk, we have to do something. The last thing that I am going to talk about is the puny badger of the week. <gasps> Not the last thing. We're going to get into the Rams. We're going to get into the Eagles. Don't get me Don't get me going, Giants fans. We're going to get there. I have to give it to the Cleveland Browns. I wanted to give it to them last week. Gave it to the Detroit Lions. Let's just run through it real quick. The stats. Shout out to Alex, my producer. He's a big Browns fan. He's like, I, you didn't give it to us last week. After that Thursday night game, you have to give it to us. Here are the stats. They had their bye week, week five. That is a long time to keep playing football. 26% of their cap is on IR. They're missing Nick Chubb, Deshaun Watson, both their starting tackles. Then they had a rookie tackle come in. He's now out. They have no starting safety. They lost their kicker and their punter in the same game. They are on their fourth quarterback who came in week 13. Joe Flacco was literally calling teams looking for a job. Shout out to Joe. You are the quarterback of the straight off the couch team. And since signing, he has the most touchdown passes in the NFL, the most passing yards in the NFL. Amari Cooper has the most receiving yards. Two weeks ago, Amari Cooper had 11 receptions for 265 yards, two touchdowns. He didn't play Thursday night. Joe Flacco had an even better, not maybe not even better, but had three touchdowns over 300 yards. His team looked unbelievable. So the real Puny Badger of the week then is Kevin Stefanski, the head coach. I blacked out. I don't know. Uh. And their GM, Andrew Barry. Drafting, getting a deep roster, doing an unbelievable job. Shout out to the, the Cleveland Browns. They have two of the best guards in, in football. Joe Botonio, Wyatt Teller. Wyatt is a fellow client of my agent. Great player, great man. Congrats, guys. Cleveland, the dog pound. You guys are, you guys are doing your thing. Now to the New York Giants and the Rams reaction from this last weekend. Um, lost another one, came down to the wire. We had our chances. I feel like I've said that multiple times this season. You look back at the Bills game, you look back at the Jets game, you look at this one. Those are three that came down to the last play of the game and we couldn't make the play. Philly the week before, obviously it wasn't for a win, but for a tie. Um, and we didn't make the plays. Now, 
the one thing I'll say going into that game, you knew you had to deal with a monster in Aaron Donald. Personal matchup. He got me a few times. I got him a few times. I mean, it's it's a battle of back and forth. Our offensive line as a whole is not playing our best football. We're continuing to get better every week. This is what happens with continuity, running the same scheme with the same guys. Um, unfortunately, our right tackle got hurt in the game. Tyree Phillips, who I shouted out earlier this year, unbelievable man, unbelievable player, unbelievable teammate, brings the juice every week. It's going to be a, a tremendous loss for our offensive line. Um, hopeful, hopefully he'll, he'll, he'll get healthy. He will get healthy, sign a new contract, and be back on the field. So we're praying for you, Tyree, on that one. Um, we had some unbelievable plays. Again, the defense defense played great this past week. The Rams gave a shout-out to, to Wink Martindale, who, who was our defensive coordinator, who, played amaz- or who coached an amazing game. But uh, we didn't do enough. We had a great punt return. And we had a chance for a two-point. We didn't make that happen. But there were other points throughout the game where we could have, you know, made, made, some, made some plays and we didn't make them. And we had some, some, some tough penalties. We had some sacks. And that's football. Tyrod came in and played an unbelievable game. And it, it was just short. The, the stadium was rocking. It was a close game. We fought until the, the very end. And that's the one thing that I'll keep harping on. Think about where we're at in this season. Obviously, we don't have the record that we want at 5-11 and 11 right now. But how many games were up in the balance that could have gone the other way for us? And that is the, the beauty and the, the pain of the NFL. When you lose a game like that, all of a sudden, everyone wants to jump on every little thing that went wrong. We've played games offensive line-wise worse than that, and we've won the game and gotten the game ball. And people don't talk about the offensive line. It's a matter of did you win or did you lose? And we lost. And I said I was going to get back to it later in the episode. The Giants right now and, and the teammates on this on this team with me have to look in the mirror and say, why? W- what is my reason why to go out there and play? Guys aren't going to give it any less effort. You're playing for a job. Everyone is out there coaching, playing for a job. We will not have one if we don't do what we need to do. The general manager, the owner, the head coach, everyone's feet is to the fire. And our job right now is to go out and do that. And for me personally, I want to go out and finish what I started. When we can, we can roll the clip of why I came back to the Giants I'm doing everything right now, this week, the same way I did that first week. Continue to do the things the right way. Continue to prepare the right way, to watch the film, to practice hard, to push each other. And that will pay off down the road. We've lost a lot of close games this year. We've had a lot of injuries this year. Other teams have had injuries like the Cleveland Browns, and they're still winning games. So what can we do to get better going down the stretch? That is on us, and that is on a personal challenge to me to continue to be better for this team, be better for this organization. And we will turn it around. I know we have the right people in the building. So obviously I, I appreciate all the support, obviously not where we want to be, but um, we're going to keep fighting. We have, we have Philadelphia coming in this week. It's going to be a snowy game. Uh, the weather is, is calling for snow. The Eagles have had their own struggles. We obviously went out there and, and on Christmas Day had a, had a back-and-forth battle. That since then, the Eagles lost to the Cardinals. Uh, my former, t- former team, um, one of my best friends, DJ Humphreys, tore his ACL in that game. So so bittersweet one there for the Cardinals. I know they're happy to get the win, but losing your, your star left tackle is never a good thing. Um, just, just praying for a speedy recovery for, for DJ. But um, 
you know, it's, they're going to be, they're going to be rocking. They're, they're still trying to get off the snide there. There's some fractioning going on in that locker room. I saw some reports coming out. So they're trying to come together and find themselves as well. So regardless of where your team is at and all this, it, it can, it can turn on you quickly. And that's the NFL. That's the business of it. That's the beauty of it. That's why we love it. That's why we're getting 27 million followers or viewers on some of these games. Um, so it's going to be an exciting game. It's it's the last one of the season. Guys have a lot to prove still. There's guys like Dane Belton on the New York Giants who's chasing down a, a 80 yard reception to sa- to save a touchdown. Things like that, and players finally getting opportunity, and that could that could prove valuable to scouting in, in the offseason and guys that come back and guys that aren't with the team anymore. Um, so it's a very valuable game for us. The last game at MetLife, we obviously love the fans. I can't wait to get there personally. Who knows what my future holds. Um, I still want to play football. I feel good, obviously building the strength back up through this season, getting my knee right. A lot of other injuries that I sustained wasn't able to train the same way in the off season. So it's great to be able to build off that and get better every week. My knees feeling awesome at this point in the year. So there's a lot to fight for. I'm looking forward to it. Um, hopefully it's a, it's a, it's a fun game for everybody. There's a little snow on the ground and it's, it's enjoyable in that case. That's it for this episode, guys. That, that is all I got for you. There was a lot of what's happening. There's a lot going on with, with the current situation of, of the Giants and, and New York in general. Um, we're going to keep this show going through the offseason. I am on baby watch currently. My wife is is very pregnant. We're, we're three weeks out from having our first child, give or take. Um, so if there's ever a time where I, I don't have an episode set up, I got to travel back to Arizona, get all the gear back to Arizona, reset up. We're going to have the baby. So stick with me. I'm going to be posting throughout the offseason. We'll probably jump into some of these topics like fines, like referees, like, um, you know, more more business of football things. So just continue to to follow along. We're going to do a recap, kind of see where things are left off, where, where we go from there, what some of my predictions are for the playoffs. Um, so, yeah, keep subscribing, keep liking, keep, keep commenting. Like, you know, Kyle and I appreciate, you know, one of my fellow NFL brothers reaching out. Um, continue to grow this channel. I really appreciate it. I'm really enjoying it. So subscribe, like. I will see you next week. Be nice to everyone out there. I'll talk to you later. I'm really him. Don't believe me. Come and see me. Got three wishes from my genie. Now I'm on your local TV. Y'all don't talk about Say she wanna come and see me. When I'm in a local city, I'm like, pause though. Please step aside so they can see me. And I walk up in this light. Yeah, I'm really him. Talking my shit like Turn really him on God Walk up in his light Yeah I'm really